This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Lloyd Rich Smith, who is Custer County Sheriff. Sheriff Smith, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me out. I've never been in your uh, command center here. There you go. Very technical looking. (laughs) So you were recently elected and recently sworn in just in January. Uh, What's your term? It's a four-year term, and I did start on uh, January 10th, so I've been on the job for a month and three days when we recorded this. And to whom do you report? Uh, To the voters, directly to the voters here in Custer County. All right. And paint me a picture of the sheriff's department, a number of people, facilities. uh, What gives us a sense for those not familiar? So the sheriff's office is uh, located in the heart of Westcliff, right behind the courthouse, and uh, also by uh, Round Mountain Water. And we have an authorized staff of eight deputies, two sergeants, a sheriff, and an undersheriff. Uh, We have two office administrators. Uh, the building that we're currently in actually used to be a truck service center. And <laughs> so if you come over to my office, there's actually a garage door that's been walled in with cinder block uh, where the <laughs> trucks used to park uh, to get tires fixed. Uh, we also have a uh, seven-bed jail, and uh, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes, uh, a separate building. And prior to closing the jail, we had a sergeant of the jail, a corporal, and six deputies to run that 24 hours a day. Okay. So, Rich, what is your background? Where have you lived and worked over the years? Well, uh, so I was uh, born in Germany. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and uh, we moved to Washington, D.C., and then Colorado Springs is uh, kind of where I grew up. I was there from first to sixth grade. Also went to Omaha, Nebraska, and then uh, Oklahoma City. Okay. So you mentioned the jail. Let's talk a little bit about that. In January, the county commissioners of Custer County voted to close the jail. All inmates now are being transferred to Fremont County, as I understand. This was a financial decision, I assume? Yes. And uh, starting with the uh, COVID years, we began to arrest less people in Custer County, but in Colorado in general. In fact, we act, the legislature actually came up with a a process called a felony summons. And in the past, if you were charged with a felony, you had to be booked into jail. And now there are certain cases where you can sign a summons just like you would for a careless driving or something. Okay. Uh, this has been going on for about a month now. How is it going? What sort of issues are you finding? Is there a lot of transport of folks down to Fremont County? Y- yes. Yeah, so as you mentioned, it's been going for about a month, and we've made 11 trips uh, to uh, Canyon City to drop off prisoners. And is it going according to plan? Are you finding some surprises? So one of the the cost savings for the community was to cut the staff from uh, nine down to three. We have a detention deputy that works the front half of the week, Sunday through Wednesday, and a second one that works Wednesday through Saturday, and a sergeant to supervise them. And we also rely on the uh, all-volunteer policy to transport people down. So when the original plan came out, we didn't have a hard deadline for when we could call the posse and, and not. And so now we've set that at 9 p.m. So we won't call the posse out after 9 o'clock unless it's an emergency. And then we also have two deputies that live in Fremont County. And they also worked the front half of the week and back half of the week. And so we've been able to use them on trips they would have already taken back and forth to Fremont to uh, pick up and drop people off. That makes sense. I was going to ask further into the interview about the posse, but let me ask now, 
Give me a sense of what the posse does, how it augments your staff, what it takes to become a posse member. First of all, the state of Colorado was a territory, and we became a state in 1876. And then Custer County was founded in 1877, as was our sheriff's office. So this was a true Western uh, community, and the posse is on the uh, books with the legislature as uh, volunteer citizens that the sheriff can call in in time of need. Hmm. And we probably have the most robust posse in the state, and that, that has gone on through several different sheriff terms. And so we currently have about 20 people who volunteer for the posse, and last year they invested over 3,000 hours into the community and there's no way the sheriff's office could survive without their volunteer hours and uh, flexibility. And we do training with them, uh, you know, like for arrest control, kind of how to defend themselves and firearms and driving county-owned vehicles. And it's just a, a tremendous resource. In fact, the largest volunteer group in the in the county is the posse. Mm-hmm. And the radio station calls on the posse when we do our block party right here on yes. 2nd Street when we've done the uh, High Peaks Music Festival. And in addition to helping with things like transporting prisoners, we also offer a vacation watch service. And so as you know, a, a number of people who own property here in Custer don't live here full time. Mm-hmm. And they can go to our website and put their name and address and phone number in there, and then the posse will randomly drive by their vacation home or second home, or if you're going to be on vacation for a week, mm-hmm. you can program those times in, and the posse will go. We also do random patrols at the school to supplement the full-time school resource officer. Uh, we have them present at the uh, games, like at football games and mm-hmm. basketball games. And then here in Westcliff, we also have a thing called town patrol. And so two posse members in uniform will do foot patrol through town. And the idea is to do those kind of on the holiday weekends and give directions to tourists and uh, whatnot. And then we actually just restarted our mounted uh, posse. It'll be the same thing for women who are volunteers with horses. And they'll participate in parades, the saddle club, but also in kind of preserving our Western lifestyle here in Westcliff uh, with the tourists. That's fair. And as you and I were talking before this interview, uh, we're going to get the posse on Uh, one of these interviews, so we can delve into more details. Uh, Let me ask about the uh, Everbridge emergency alert system. I know that's been going on. I know you're pushing to get more people to use it. Remind people what that is. So this is the most important uh, thing that I'm going to talk about today is the ability for us to contact the citizens in an emergency. And over the years, you've heard of terms like reverse 911, uh, and that's that's a, a company that it's a trademark name that offers a service where we can have our 911 dispatch center call people's cell phones or home phones and tell them, you know, what the nature of an emergency is that they need to take action on. The brand that uh, our 911 service uses is called Everbridge, so it's it's like the reverse 911. It's just a competing product. It's an opt-in service, and so what you have to do is you can go to the uh, Custer County webpage, and right on the front page, there's a box down at the bottom. If you click on that, it brings up a box, and it asks you for your very specific address because this thing is based on the geo coordinates and the map. So mm-hmm. if you live at 123 Main Street, and I can say, hey, we need to evacuate a five-mile circle, the computer will figure it out and call all the phone numbers in that five-mile circle. There's also a free app if you have an Apple or an Android phone called Everbridge, and you download that to your phone, and then you give it permission for GPS. And then if you're traveling in an area where one of these emergencies is going on, it will pick you up and send you the emergency message. 
uh, that you need to get. But really, that's the only way we have to get in touch with people in time of emergency. Okay. And what percentage of the folks in the county who are, would be eligible for that have signed up, would you say? Uh, I talked to our outgoing emergency manager, and he estimated that less than a third of the people had signed up. And I, I really want to work hard between now and fire season to get more people on board so that if uh, a late night evacuation uh, happens, uh, your family will get the word to evacuate. I understand your department is working on a strategic plan. What changes do you hope that the department will see during your tenure associated with that? I think it's really important to have a roadmap going forward. And this is how I'm going to prioritize uh, the funding that I get and the training that we uh, give to our staff. But we have uh, four tenets of our strategic plan. And the first and most important one is to protect life and property and preserve our small town values. Uh, number two, I want to recruit and retain and develop the best team members. Number two is kind of like what I would like my legacy to be as the sheriff at, when it's my time to go. I would like to have a pool of candidates inside the agency who've had the right training and experience so that they could step forward and lead us on. Uh, the third one is creatively work with the community to solve problems and prevent crime. And then finally, build and nurture new partnerships with new stakeholders to achieve our mission. Okay. So as we were talking earlier, you've actually got a Latin phrase uh, that covers all of that. What is that? Yes. And so uh, I, I chose to put it in Latin, and I, I hate to even try to pronounce it on the radio because a lot of people can uh, do it better than me. But what it means is giving our best for the community. And I want it in Latin, and it'll be on some of our literature, and the idea is that the members in the community will come and ask the deputy, hey, what does this say? And they'll say that what we're trying to do is do our best for our community. All right, that's fair. Thank you. So part of the strategic plan, I know from your standpoint, is what character traits am I trying to develop in my staff? What are the things that come to mind for you on that? Well, what I would like to uh, emphasize with our staff are four key character traits, and this kind of is the, the plank of our strategic plan. And the most important character trait that I'm looking for when I hire a new person for our staff is integrity. And, you know, you can have the world's smartest person, but if they don't have integrity, they'll turn into the smartest crook. And so integrity is a non-negotiable for me. Uh, number two is courage, and I think our our community wants us to be courageous in the face of adversity, uh, to be courageous in solving problems. And then uh, the next one is compassion, and I want to be compassionate for the members from our community and our victims and make sure they get the services from our office that they uh, they need. And then the last one is creativity, and in my short time here, We've come up with the citizens are called 911 and they're exasperated about maybe a dispute with their neighbor. And it's not a crime, so the sheriff's office can't, you know, arrest or ticket someone, but it's a civil problem. And so I'd really like to use creativity and help those neighbors kind of overcome their uh, conflicts. And it revolves around easements and fence lines and livestock going from one property to the next. <laughs> Now, what are the similarities and the differences between a small town like this and law enforcement in a big city? Well, I consider myself very fortunate to live in uh, the Custer County community. And I think if you asked our deputies, uh, they would say the same thing. And uh, that, that actually is reflected back to my priority number one on the strategic goal is to preserve our small town values. And so people, I, I've lived in the Denver metro area. I've lived in Colorado Springs. And those areas don't appeal to me, and it's just, 
you know, I, I first came into Custer County in 2013, rode my motorcycle out here, fell in love immediately with the, uh, the community and the scenery. And so how that translates, say, a, a difference in our small town policing versus a big city policing, I haven't observed, say, one of these big major cities that the officers don't have the time kind of for the personal care and the relationships. And that's what I want our deputies to do. And so uh, I, I want them to live in the community uh, and be and be part of it, but also uh, to be invested in uh, the lives of the people that live there. Okay. What are the biggest challenges ahead for the department and for the community from your position as sheriff? The first biggest challenge is goal number two is recruiting and retaining a quality staff. And last year and the, the several of the years, we've had a hundred percent turnover on detention staff and also on patrol. Okay. And it's very hard to get ahead if you're just constantly hiring. And so for me to hire a person and send them to a six month police academy and pay their salary there, it costs the citizens here $40,000 per person. The uh, outgoing sheriff, Robert Hill, uh, did let me start early after I won the uh, primary. And when we came in, we had three deputies and both the sergeants had quit. And we have a fourth deputy who's assigned to the school. And so we've worked hard to build that up. So we actually have nine deputies on the payroll right now and four of those are in training. And how about school security? How is that handled? That's always in the news. It's always a concern. School security is one of my top priorities here. And I want the kids to go to, go to school and to feel safe and not be distracted by violence or threats or bullying. And I'm very impressed with what the school has done. In fact, they actually have an anti-bullying campaign. I remember, and I'm sure many of your listeners do as well, uh, when the Columbine school attack happened. Mm -hmm. And we've had so many, uh, even here in Colorado since then. After the Bailey School attack, I was on the team that went and did the after-action review a week later after that happened. I did an after-action review after a fatal shooting at the state capitol. And then I was one of the police responders at the Arapahoe High School shooting. And when I got there, I didn't know the suspect was already deceased, but I was in the operating mindset that he was still in there and a threat to the students. And so I've taken that uh, and and want to make a make school security a priority. So we do have a deputy there, James Barr. He's very well liked by the kids, very well liked by the teachers and the uh, school board. And he has the right personality. And so what I like is the kids are getting exposed to law enforcement in a friendly manner. And let's say they didn't have a school resource officer, the next time they see a police officer could be, you know, when they're getting a traffic ticket or, mm -hmm. or something like that. And so it's really important to invest our resources in uh, protecting the school. And I think you mentioned earlier the posse members are involved with the school at some level. Yes. So uh, we have Deputy Barr. Uh, the school's open four days a week, Monday through Thursday. So Deputy Barr is present during that whole uh, time. Every deputy has a key card, which is how you access the school and a master key. And we encourage them to make random foot patrols through the school, meet James Barr, you know, and, and be present for the kids. And then finally, the posses also are randomly at the school on foot patrol. So if someone looking on the outside in, you're not going to know if there's one police officer there for the day or four because we're constantly uh, mixing things up. And then we also have a heavy pro uh, posse presence at the athletic events. As we run short of time, let me ask about the the election. This was a contested election. You had an opponent. Uh, what surprised you about the election and the election process? Well, first off, <laughs> I don't like uh, politics. 
and I had never considered running for a, a political office or even sheriff. And over my career in the state patrol, you know, people had asked me off and on, oh, would you ever uh, consider running for sheriff? And I was like, oh, absolutely not. But a friend of mine uh, came to me at the uh, end of the uh, last person's term and said that I should run. And I really felt like where the sheriff's office was at that point and where the community was and with my training experience as a commander at the state patrol that I could come in and uh, help bring the sheriff's office to the next level. Okay. Now, I've never been in an election situation, but I always wondered, what's your approach when you're settling down to work? And you know that while a lot of people voted for you, quite a few did not. Yes. So that is correct. In fact, it was a close race. And what I want to say, and I, I, I said this on the campaign Facebook page, is the minute you win the election, you aren't just working for Republicans or Democrats or unaffiliated or friends or foes or whatever. You're working for the whole community. And so I've taken that to heart, and I am equally serving the people that supported me in the election, and I want to win the support of the people uh, who didn't vote for me. And as you settled into the job, what were the biggest surprises about the job in your first month? I wouldn't say it was a surprise, but the, the turnover was uh, the, the number one issue. And uh, behind the scenes of that was the compensation for the deputies. And so I commissioned a uh, salary survey of the seven surrounding agencies, and our deputies and detention deputies were paid at the bottom of the pile. And I presented that to the county commissioners, and I'm thrilled that all three of them supported uh, giving our deputies a raise to get them kind of to the middle of the pack. And then uh, we had posted jobs in the past statewide. In fact, the, there's a website with the state attorney general where they do the post certification. And we posted jobs and had zero applicants uh, apply for jobs because the pay was mm. unacceptable. And so now I'm happy to say that we brought in an undersheriff who has 14 years of experience. A, a deputy that just started here a few weeks ago has six years experience. And then, then we've got two more experienced officers who are wanting to come here uh, just waiting for us to have openings. Okay. Uh, that sounds good. What have we forgotten to talk about? Well, the, the most important thing is uh, I, I would like to once again remind people about the importance of signing up your landline phone and your cell phone for this Everbridge system. And I've talked with uh, the, the Forest Service was out a few weeks ago for a planning uh, meeting, and I asked the guy, I said, if if I was going to worry about a wildfire in Custer County, where should I what worry? And he said at the Wet Mountains and in Rosita. And if you've been to Rosita, mm -hmm. it would be a nightmare to get all of those people evacuated. Let's say the fire started up at 10 o'clock at night or you know, like it did in the Junkins Loot Fire. And so I just really want to get to people and say, please download that app for your phone so that you'll get the uh, emergency notice before the fire. Great. Thanks for stopping by, Rich. We appreciate it. Thank you. We have been visiting with Lloyd Rich Smith, Custer County Sheriff. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m., and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 